Hey everybody, it's Dan. Welcome to uh, Adventure Super Train Mini. So we got a brand new old show starting up and you'll be able to figure out what it is after I start talking about what this is. This is a mini soap um, with a gentleman who I will introduce shortly joining me. Uh, to, uh, we're discussing the made-for-TV movie uh, Nero Wolf, The Doorbell Rang. Uh, from 19. Well, it was made in 77, but it aired in December 19th, 1979. Written and uh, directed by Frank D. Gilroy, award-winning um, writer, and starring Thayer David as Nero Wolf, Tom Mason as Archie Goodwin. Uh, what else we got? We got Ann Baxter as Mrs. Uh, Rachel Bruner, David Hertz as Fritz, John O'Leary as uh, Theodore, uh, Brooke Adams as Sarah Dacos, Biff uh, McGuire as Inspector Kramer, etc., etc., etc. It was a TV movie that sat on the shelf for two years. But it does have a relation, in some respects, to the next uh, brand new old show we will talk about. Let me give you just a brief rundown of what's going on. It's a Rexed Out novel, and so it's not like... Um, yeah, I, I, I'm just going to do it very basically. So Mrs. Uh, Bruner, uh, Ann Baxter, shows up at, at the Brownstone. And I'm, I'm not going to go into the full details of the Nero Wolf lifestyle here. Please just... Um, uh, go to Wikipedia, look up Nero Wolf, and just take two minutes to read about him. But uh, Nero Wolf and Archie Goodwin and Fritz and Theodore live in a brownstone in New York City. Uh, there's an orchid room on the top floor, and there's a big office on the first floor that Archie and Wolf work in, and they solve crimes. Wolf never leaves his house. Archie's the one who goes out and does the detective work and comes back, and Nero's uh, Nero Wolf's the genius who uh, solves everything. Uh, more or less. And this Mrs. Bruner, uh, Ann Baxter, shows up and she has been reading a book about the FBI. And when the book was written, J. Edgar Hoover was the uh, FBI director. And a book called The FBI Nobody Knows, I believe, which is kind of a, mm, what's going on with the FBI? And she has purchased 10,000 copies and sent them to assorted friends. And she believes the FBI are after her. We learn very quickly that they are after her. And she wants Wolf to sort of stop it. And he's kind of, as Wolf will be, like, I want to get back to my orchids. I want to get back to my dinner. I want to, I want a glass of beer. But he does investigate, and Archie begins to investigate. And they, they, they meet a bunch of people, including Sarah Dakos, the um, secretary of um, uh, Ann Baxter's character, uh, Mrs. Brunner. And um, she, by the way, Mrs. Brunner is a very rich lady who owns a lot of stuff and things and stuff and things come on down to the new mall and buy some stuff and things they learn after a time Archie and Wolf that the FBI may be involved with the murder of an investigative reporter named Morris Altos who was working on an article on the FBI along the lines of the book that Ann Baxter's character sent to everyone but they're not 100% sure how it matches up it might not match up at all. I'm going to stop it there. This is based on a novel that's like 300 pages long, so I'm not going to go cuckoo caca on it here. Um, but I'm just going to, I'm just going to rest it and just say that's the very basics behind it. We don't we don't give away the ending. I think of of what's happening, but I I want I want to give you a blast of something, and then myself and our new uh, the new guest host welcome him with open arms. We'll discuss Rex Stout's Nero Wolf in The Doorbell Rang. (laughs) 
right, everyone. That was a little breakdown on the TV movie The Doorbell Rang, um, written directed by Tony Award-winning, Pulitzer Prize-winning Mr. Frank D. Gilroy. And I am here with the great, the mighty, the powerful, the all-devouring Mr. Tim Turner to discuss The Doorbell Rang. Tim, how are you? <laughs> I'm doing good. That's the best introduction I've ever had. Yay! <laughs> Um, now, uh, uh, let, let me just let me just start with this. Um, what uh, uh, I, I guess we'll start with we'll start with what is your, what if if any is your history with Nero Wolf the the Rex Stout novels and then go into your history with um, uh, the show we're about to start the William Conrad show and this uh, movie. Well, I'll tell you, my actual first introduction to Nero Wolf was the Sydney Green Street radio series. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, and Thayer David, by the way, sounds exactly like Sydney Green Street in this film. I, I don't have a lot of experience with Thayer David as an actor in other uh, projects, but you know, he, oh, gee, you know, he's got yes. that, that voice. <laughs> mm-hmm. And uh, it's, it's absolutely perfect because, uh, like I said, my, my initial exposure was Sydney Green Street and uh, if you ever get a chance to listen to those those are wonderful shows um, the as far as the novels go I, I've only read the Golden Spiders mm. and that was about 25 years ago oh, wow. um, I think yeah I, I think um, my most recent exposure was the uh, Timothy Hutton yes uh, was it Maury Chaikin mm-hmm. uh, series on Annie uh, but I did watch the Conrad series when it first aired. Oh wow, wow, that's that, yeah, that's yeah, I, yeah. We'll, well, we'll we'll when when we when we uh, when we get to the first episode of that, we'll just um, mention. I'll, I will mention probably why I didn't watch the Conrad series when it first aired. But we'll we'll get to that next time. <laughs> um, my, my my background with uh, 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 Nero Wolf is um, I. Uh, around uh, the end of well, I was going to say the last decade but around like 2009 or so I started reading a lot of mystery novels uh, not just like Agatha Christie but John Dixon Carr, Ellery Queen and somewhere in there started reading mm-hmm. uh, the Rex Stout, Nero Wolf novels um, and I think it must have been like 2012 or 13 my wife and I are huge fans as you know if you've listened to Adventure Super Train of uh, Ellery Queen with uh, Jim Hutton and David Wayne mm-hmm. uh, we, we think it's a wonderful Absolutely. show Absolutely. And then we we discovered that um, Tim Hutton was in a show uh, doing uh, the being Archie Goodwin and in, 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 for Nero Wolf and um, I knew Maury Chicken mm-hmm. from other uh, sorted things and so we started watching that we loved that show and somewhere around 2014 or so I um I realized that one of the used bookstores I go to here in Los Angeles the Iliad in North Hollywood has like like had like three shelves of nothing but old paperback editions of Nero Wolf novels from like the past three or four decades. And I was there one day. Looking oh, my going, God. I, I thought, you know what? I should because at the time I'd only read four or five of them. I should try reading these in order. And that's what I did. And over the next four years or so, five years, uh, I read all of them from Fertilance to a family affair, including the short story collections in order. Had a great time doing it. And I've just recently started going again. And I knew of this uh, William Conrad version, but I'd never seen it. So so I'm excited to dive into it. But first we have to cover The Doorbell Rang, which is which is a... I think, 
is it is it one of his later novels? Darn it, I I remembered. I, I yes, it's from uh, 1952, I think. Okay, all right. Um, uh, so so um, and I I it's it's weird. I I've spent like the past couple hours before this call desperately trying to find my copy of the book. I found every other copy of everything I'm looking for, except for <laughs> uh, except for two. The doorbell rang in the Golden Spiders, which is kind of disappointing. <laughs> but, but... Oh, the irony. Yes, yeah, so I have read them, however, and I, I have recently rewatched the um, Nero Wolf Mysteries, the A&E versions. So, so Tim, what, what, do, what do you think of The Doorbell Rang? Well, I, 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 I enjoyed Thayer David a lot. Uh, like I said, I, I, I would close my eyes and see Sydney Green Street. Um, and I think this is where we, we might have our little disagreement with Tom Mason. Um, I don't know if you've ever seen the old, the two movies that were made in the 1930s, uh, one with Edward Arnold and one with Walter Connolly uh, that were oh. done. I think they were, it was, they were based on Fertilance, and the second one was The League of Frightened Men. Okay. Uh, and both of those films... Uh, they had as Archie Goodwin, Lionel Stander. Okay. Wow. Okay. Hmm. <laughs> and so basically, they made Archie a, a complete bubbling boob. Uh-huh. <laughs> and I don't see Tom Mason quite as Lionel Stander, but I just don't see. He's not what I picture. Sure. I think he's okay. I, I think I actually prefer Lee Horsley oh, uh, as okay. Goodwin. Okay, but uh, I think I, I think it's overall I think it's a, a well-made, well-mounted uh, TV movie. Uh, I, I do think that there's a little bit of a like, of some pacing issues, but yeah. uh, I do think that the cast it's it's got a lot of great character faces in there. You know, everybody from you know you know John Randolph to John Hoyt. You know, uh, it, it, it really interesting people. I love Ann Baxter. I think she's great, and I think she's only a couple years shy of her appearance on Columbo, and uh, she looks fantastic. Uh, I, I think it's a it's a shame that they didn't get to try a series because this was a pilot, and they kept it on the shelf for a couple of years, and then I, I guess they or David passed away. I I think of the Archie Goodwins I've seen. Timothy Hutton is my favorite. I just think he is what I see Archie as being. Um, uh, but I do, I do, and, I, and I, I don't know that it'll break into fisticuffs over Skype, but I, I do quite, I did quite want to Tom Mason. He does, It's funny, he doesn't sort of look like I imagine Archie to look, but the sort, no. of, the sort of narration and some of, not all the stuff he does, but some of the stuff he does is very Archie-like to me. Um, Sure. Now, now, unfortunately, we only have this one thing to go off of. So, whereas with Mr. Horsley, we're gonna have fourteen episodes to look at. So, so I can't. I, I, I can't. I, in the end, I thought, okay, I, I, I wish I could have seen him, him do a few more. Um, now, now, as far as Thayer David, I, you know what, I, I like him in this because I know him from a few different things. Um, the main thing I know him from is the Ellery Queen episode, uh, the Old Lang Syne episode. He plays the guy who gets mm-hmm. killed in the beginning, and right. and he's got he's got got this yeah the gruff voice and this like sour looking face, and 
<laughs> yes. it's, 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 well, it's interesting because I said I when I mentioned to my wife that we were covering this movie, and she said, oh, who plays Nero Wolf? And I said, Thayer David. And she said, who's that? And I said, oh, you know, the guy from Ellery Queen who gets killed at the beginning of the New Year's Eve episode. She paused and said, is he any good? And I think, I think, <laughs> I think, I think I warmed to him as it went, because when it starts off, I think the tricky thing is they, they do a few things in here, which I found a little odd. One is that, and I guess this is maybe a Frank Gilroy thing, but sort of, you never, one, you never sort of fully get the sort of rules of the home in it, the way everything sort of mm -hmm. works, because in, in the books, Archie isn't like a Dr. Watson or, you know, someone going on. Archie is a detective, too. And so he Correct. is, it's, it's like Nero is the genius who doesn't move. Archie is sort of the semi-hard-boiled guy who goes out and does the stuff. So it'd be like, like, like Philip Marlowe bringing home information to like Gideon Fell or something like that, you know, at the end of the day, or, or, or Poirot or Miss Marple because she can't go out or something like that. And, and, the, and, and, and Wolf has very strict rules. And I wish there David had worn more yellow because Wolf always wears yellow. And he didn't wear enough yellow for my tastes. But um, there are very strict rules to the house. You know, he gets up at this time. He's in the plant room from, what is it, like 10 to 12 or something, 11 to 1. Lunch is this time. Then he's in the plant mm -hmm. room from this time. And there was a bit too much. Uh, and they, they never fully sort of laid down the rules of the house, which I guess you could say is 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 not terribly important. But it's one of the things that sort of makes Wolf so eccentric, is he he never leaves the house and he has these strict rules and and as 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 much as I warmed to Thayer David by the end of this there were just he 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 seems in in sort of the um relaxing the rules cuz he leaves the house several times and um, right. and I'm not convinced why he leaves the house several times. He just it almost seems half like whims why he's leaving the house, and um, and it makes him sort of less eccentric than kind of like just some kind of grumpy older gentleman who, you know, thinks he's eccentric. But at the end of the day, I'll go out of the house. I'll do this. Oh, you want me to come down from the plant room? That's okay. Whereas the wolf I know is like, you know, he won't come down from the plant room, you know, for the president. You know, he won't, uh, he won't, you know, have his dinner interrupted for J. Edgar Hoover, you know, and, and, well, who, you know, who may or may not show up at the end here. Obviously, yeah, we know that. Okay, that one he does. All right, I got, you got me there. Um, but, it, well, the thing with Thayer David is that I, I warmed to him as I went along. I wasn't entirely convinced by him as Wolf, just because there, because to me, the thing about Wolf is that Wolf starts off, Okay, I'll just bring it up like like in the doorbell rang version with Maury Chaikin and uh, uh, Timothy Hutton, when um, the character uh, who is played by Ann Baxter in this um, arrives, um, uh, Wolf takes his time getting down there, and he sits down, and the whole time she's talking to him, he has a look on his face like, "Are you going to be going away soon? Would you please stop talking? Could you yeah. please go away?" And and even in the end, when she offers him the check, he's like, Ar Ar "Archie, what do you think? What sh what should I do with this?" And and he just he looks, he it, 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 part of his character is that he knows he's a genius and he can do this and this is how he makes his money, but he really doesn't like doing it. 
most of the time. Whereas Thayer David's Wolf is, seems a little more, well, he, he flirts with Ann Baxter. You know, he kind of takes her out to dinner. Oh, yes. Sort of. And, and so it's, it's um, I, I think it, it's tricky because if they had, de- if we had seen more of this and they had developed it, then it could have gone to fun play. I mean, because you can do that. You know, you could fiddle around with the characters here and there. You, you can do that. But sort of in the, in the very first one, when you have such a well-established character, you're kind of, it's kind of tricky. You should sort of establish the character first and then begin to change it up a bit. Whereas this, there, there were a few moments here. That, and, and there, David, I thought, I like the gruff, but the gruff means that he he doesn't do like Maury Chaikin goes from, yes, ma'am, what do you want? Would you please sit there? And then he'll yell. And when he yells, it's like, whoa! Whereas there, David, his voice is always like this. So it's like, yes, ma'am, thank you for, you're very lovely. Would you please sit down? And you don't know quite when he's yelling or when he's just being, that's the way he talks. So, so it's, it's a little tricky. And, 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 um, but like I said, I, I warmed to him as it went along. And, um, uh, and I would have liked to have seen something else with them in it, uh, which is too bad. But um, uh, what, what else? What, what else do you have on this? Uh, I'm just going to scan my notes because I got a few other things. I, we're not going to we're not going to talk long about this one, folks, because I thought that this was the pilot for the series we're about to discuss with William Conrad. It's not. It was the potential pilot for another series. <laughs> And they're completely different networks did them, completely different people did them. And so it's just they had, yeah. So 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 we won't be spending a ton of time here, but this is where we're going to get out our initial thoughts on, on Wolf and, and Archie and things. Uh, what, what else do you have on this one, Tim? Other thoughts? Well, okay. First, one of the things that was very odd about this was, okay, I know this was filmed, I believe, in 77, even though it didn't air until 79, um, they they do bizarre things by having anachronistic uh, dress yes. and automobiles. It, it, so there were times where I was like, "Wait, are they setting this in the 40s?" Yes. And then you would see, you know, like like a Pinto drive by. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes, yes. And I, and it's it's very strange. Mm. Um, and. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, like, and everybody uh, is wearing trench coats and fedoras. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it, it 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 it's almost like they just mixed up time periods. I, I don't yes. know how to explain it, put it into words. But if you know, if if any of you out there watch this, you'll see what I'm talking about. It's very strange. And then of course he gets into his car, and it's like a 1930s roadster. Mm-hmm. You know, which is fine because he's supposed to be, you know eccentric and wealthier and reclusive but but they they really did a some bizarre stuff with yes uh setting the period um i i i did like uh the fact that uh david uh, his wolf you're right he's a little um more animated i think than wolf should be and he should not, be. And for uh, him, he's he, very he, sedentary. Yeah, he. And the, the, the weird thing is, his wolf. He's really not that. Pardon me. He's really not that fat. Um. And and you expect wolf to no, be. When no. you see him, he's like he's kind of bigger in the chest than he is in the stomach, kind of in the suits he's in. So, but forgive me. That I noticed that when I was watching that. Um. I I think you'll you'll like me. You'll prefer Conrad 
Because first of all, Conrad was at that point right before Jake and the Fat Man where he was getting pretty large. Uh, and they do have him <laughs> wear lots of yellow. Mm-hmm. Uh, he does wear, you know, like a like yellow that's gold smoking jacket mm-hmm. and uh, y- yellow shirts and all. Um, I, like I said, I, I had issues with Tom Mason. He, I don't know, and I don't know necessarily if it was him or if it was the dialogue. Mm. Some of the dialogue felt very stilted to me, and coming out of his mouth, I, I found it yeah. very, uh, very odd. Yes. Okay. Um, yeah. I look at uh, when I look at Nero Wolf, I look at him as a sedentary, uh, corpulent doc savage of mystery. Okay, because <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. he's the central figure, uh-huh. and then he's got he's got his ham and his monk. Uh, uh-huh. For those of you who don't know Doc Savage, I'm I, I know I'm completely showing my <laughs> age and <laughs> uh, my my level of uh, nerd has been reached. Um, <laughs> But, you know, because he, he's got Archie, he's got mm-hmm. Saul Panzer, uh, and then, of course, you know, on a lesser extent, you know, you've got Fritz and Theodore. But mm-hmm. um, I, I just, I, I don't know if this, if they had gone to series with this, if they had, ex- if they would have explored it more, uh, expanded the characters, because most of the characters are just really kind of cameos in this, yeah. uh, other than the, your your leads. Um I, I think you'll find when you get to the Conrad series, I think they did a wonderful job of really capturing the spirit uh, of the novels, like you were saying, uh, as far as like the rules of the house. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's wonderful scenes with Fritz just getting absolutely frustrated with Nero because mm-hmm. he's constantly, you know, oh, you use sage leaves this uh, yes, time, yeah, or, yeah. Uh, you know, tarragon instead of sage leaves, and, you know, uh, driving him nuts. I just think that. This is an, I consider this film an interesting failure. Mm, um, okay. It's got elements in it that I really liked, but overall, like I said, I think the pacing uh, is is a problem for me. Um, and and uh, like you said, he leaves the house, I, I think, a couple of times. And if I recall, yeah. in the novels, he only leaves the, the brownstone once. And I think in all the novels, right? It's it's very very few. It's it's usually he if if he has to leave if it it's generally because like the police force him to or something like there's times when he's he's dragged right. into questioning or he has to be a witness in court or like bail Archie out or something like that. Those are the more or less the times when he leaves the house. Yeah, uh, I I have to say I love seeing John Hoyt in this. Uh, because I remember him from Attack of the Puppet People. <laughs> uh, <laughs> He's such a wonderful character actor, and I think mm-hmm. he barely worked after this. I think because mm-hmm. uh, there's only about ten years between this and when he passed away, and I, I he was getting fairly old at this point. I, I will say, uh, yeah, the, the pacing thing. The the weird thing with the pacing is that because um, like a lot of the wolf novels are are not meant to be. I mean, because as far as I know, Rex Stout wasn't a big fan of movies. He wasn't a big fan of TV. And a lot of his movies are just a lot of, like, Archie going from one spot to another, talking to people, going back to the brownstone, Wolf talks to them. That's It's sort of, sort of like, say, like, Murder on the Orient Express. Once they wake up, find the dead guy, and the train isn't moving anymore, the rest of the novel is a series of conversations between Poirot and the suspects. Not very cinematic at mm-hmm. all, and I, I bless him for trying again and again 
to, and they, they've gotten very pretty close, I think, um, um, with some of their tries. But it's not a cinematic sort of thing, and and I right. think Frank Frank Gilroy tries here. He it, it's weird because um, he adds like these scenes with like Archie losing the the um, uh, the uh, people who are tailing him throughout the uh, um, the FBI. Um, and he kind of mm-hmm. adds in an extra scene or two, which is like a scene in a supermarket where I was like, "Where'd that come from? Why, why, why did you Why did you add that?" It's like there there are certain yeah. there are certain there are certain moments that he removes from the story, like kind of the explanation of what all those large crates are and who those two guys who look sort of like Nero and Archie, but I, I, I'm wondering if, like, because there's a point that yeah. we're not going to, we're, we're not going to ruin the ending. We're going to try not to ruin the <laughs> endings of these. Um, but, but there is, there is a point where in order to catch the FBI sort of out, um, they, they sneak in a guy who looks like Archie and a guy who looks like Nero in crates pretending they're orchids, but they don't, they don't, tell you that's what's happening now not that they need to but basically what happens is they open these crates there are orchids and then they open these other crates and there are these two guys in there and they stand up and sort of you get a long <laughs> shot of them looking at us and then you get a long shot of you know archie and 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 wolf sort of you know looking at them and i'm wondering if you didn't know what was going on if you would have gone oh they look just like them or you would have done what i did was they don't look much like them and yeah, I had um, no idea what was going on. Okay, yeah, th- 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 there are a couple moments in it where, because there's a little more explanation in the um, in the novel of what exactly is happening. I mean, it's a surprise still, but but in here it's very much presented like, wait a minute, what's happening? What's and you have you have to sort of catch up with it. And th- there are a few uh, there are a few other moments in here. Um, that are like that. It's it's like 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 the thing. Um, it's no oh, no. Okay, that's getting too close to the ending. Okay, I won't say that one. Uh, I had one involving the FBI <laughs> near near the end. But but there are a few moments where it's like Frank mm-hmm. Gilroy went in and he added bits like the bit in the supermarket, and and left out other little bits of um almost like I I guess like connective tissue that was important. And there are just there are just a few moments where it's like you you watch and you go, especially that moment with the crates, where you're like, no, what, huh? Wait, what? Or, or he adds like, um, when um, when uh, the, the Ann Baxter's character, uh, she's in her limo and it pulls away. In in the novel, Archie more or less stands there and watches the limo pull away, and then the FBI go, and then he's he goes inside and says, yep, she's being followed. But in this one, he he gives the guy a big trick where he's going to spin his car around and go the wrong way down a one-way street. It's like, wow, that's okay, sure. Why not? Um, yeah. Yeah, but I felt it, like they it, were trying to make it like, oh, let's add some action in there. Yeah, yeah, that, that's what it felt like to me. It, it was sort of like someone someone looked, looked at it and said, hey, Frank, this is just a series of scenes of people talking to each other, and that can work just fine. Absolutely, that can work just fine. But it needs to be a little more, more dynamic than Mr. Gilroy's direction is the, in, in is in this. And and this and uh, now again, I think like you, I think this is um is a is a it's a it's a noble failure. It's it's a it's a good attempt, and it doesn't quite make it. But if the series had gone on, it, it might have been there. But just uh, two more things, and then and then we'll stop because this is meant to be a minisode. Um, uh, and I've forgotten one of the things. Darn it! Uh, oh no, one of them is, and this is interesting. 
that there is this long sequence where Archie, the supermarket sequence is involved, where Archie ditches the FBI guy, and after a time, I forgot what it was he was doing, why he was out doing stuff, <laughs> and he ends up going into this kind of shady tenement kind of place, going into a uh, seedy room, and there's a guy there who we haven't seen before, and he, and Archie's like, oh, and, you know, kind of like, oh, my gosh. You know, and then it's like, Inspector Kramer. And if you know the novels, or if, like, in the A&E version, this is the second one they've done, you know who Inspector Kramer is. But if you don't know the novels, the moment the guy turns around, yeah, the moment Inspector Kramer turns around and looks at us, it, you're like, um, what character is he? Because they're... Yeah, they're, I had no idea who the hell that was. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yeah, and, and, and that's supposed to be a big reveal, that it's, oh my gosh, it's Spectre Kramer's in the room, but this, it takes you, and it's just, um, like I said, th there are a few moments where they seem to favor, like, action, or, or even, like, the scenes, the long scenes he has with, like, Ann Baxter in the restaurant or at the end, those aren't, Archie uh, does most of the time talking with, with Ann Baxter's character, not um, not Wolf, and so, so it's weird, because he's left out some important parts of the novel that that I, I've read the novel, I've seen another variation of this, so I knew what was happening, but there were moments, yeah, like I said, where even I was like, wait a minute, what's going on now? Oh, yeah. So it's a little tricky. And this, remember, Frank Gilroy is, for the subject of Roses, is a Tony Award winning, Pulitzer Prize winning author. So, eh, you know, maybe this isn't his best day. But, uh, you know what? I just remembered um, there's an element – like I was talking about how there's there's a lot of anachronistic stuff going on here. Mm -hmm. Now, I said this was shot in 77, and they keep talking about J. Edgar Hoover. Well, he died yes. five years before that. Yes, yeah. So yeah. it was almost like they just took the novel. Oh, yeah, just keep writing it out. Oh, yeah, because like they mentioned Hoover in the novel, which was written in 52. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I <laughs> just like forgot about the fact that guy kicked the bucket. Uh, what? Yeah. So that again, another thing that makes you wonder where that, what time are they setting this in? Yes, yeah, I do. You, you know the, what movie I just thought of um, that that sort of has this vague uh, time to it is um, uh, uh, the Woody Allen film Broadway Danny Rose, which came out mm -hmm. in '84. Because that one, the the premise with that is that yeah, that that uh, Woody Allen's character is like this kind of lame talent agent who has one um, talented guy who's like a singer, sort of. Um, uh, Sinatra-esque, um, uh, Tony Bennett-esque singer um, who, who's married with a family, but he also has a girlfriend who may or may not be involved with the mob, and he's going to do a big show one night, and he says, Danny, go and bring my girlfriend, and Danny ends up getting involved with, like, mob stuff, and it's a pretty darn funny film, but the film is shot mm -hmm. in black and white, and it was made in 84, and there are times where you, it looks like it maybe should be the 50s, maybe it should be the 60s, should be the 70s. But then there's a point where he's walking out on the streets of New York City and he passes a marquee for Halloween 3 Season of the Witch. Big, <laughs> big bold behind him. So so it's like you watch it and you go, now, and, and, and the moment you see that, you're like, now wait a minute. He, he must have seen that. He must have known that was there. So 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 you think like, so when is this set? And, and this is sort of like that. I wonder if the if it went along, yeah. what what would have happened? Yeah, um, but um, so what I'll do is um, I, I guess we'll stop talking about the doorbell rang now, simply because it's not really part of 
the show we're going to talk about next. Um, but I, th- I think if you like Wolf, it's it's worth it is worth a viewing. It's it's uh, yeah, some of the pacing is off, um, but if you can get into it, it's it certainly has its charms. So, uh, Tim, where can we find? Where can I find you online? Don't don't me personally. <laughs> uh, well, um, I am the uh, co-host with uh, Kelly Hogaboom on Beauty the Beast and the Bees. Uh, we discuss uh, mostly bee films, and we're on iTunes and SoundCloud. Uh, we have our website, which is bbnbs dot uh, mm-hmm. net. And um, we, you know, we're on Facebook, uh, Twitter, and Instagram. And you can see all our um, lonely ramblings uh, about various bizarre stuff. Uh, probably, uh, probably about Nero Wolf too. Uh, at some yeah. point uh, when this comes out too. <laughs> awesome! Th- thank you so much for joining me uh, for this, and I, I hope you are ready for the series. Because there is one, folks. We're not just oh, talking am. random movies. Awesome, awesome. <laughs> so, um, so let. Oh well, this is a mini sode. We're not going to anything. Listen to some music, and we'll see you. We'll see you at the next episode.